This is Dr. August Conkel in his teaching on the books of Chronicles. This is session number five, Rally Round the Temple. We left off with talking about the relationships of the tribes of Israel, pointing out why Reuben has become subordinated, why Joseph uh, has become elevated uh, with Ephraim and Manasseh uh, being the right of the firstborn, but how Judah comes to be the leader. Uh, this was very significant to the chronicler, which is why he gave the tribe of Judah so much prominence in chapters 2 and 3. Uh, now we come to his second real concern, and his second concern is the function of the temple, because, as he is going to say repeatedly, this is not the kingdom of David. David, in chapters 22 and in chapter 28, is going to say, this is the kingdom of Yahweh. It is not his own kingdom. It is an eternal kingdom. So if this kingdom is not actually the kingdom of David, if David is merely the means by which God fulfills his promise to redeem his people, then the center of the kingdom must be Yahweh. God, the name of the God of Israel. And for the kingdom to represent what it really is, there must be given proper due recognition to the way in which God demonstrates and represents his rule within his kingdom. So he does that uh, by means of one particular tribe. Uh, this tribe gets a very long and detailed description of who its members are and how they are organized and what they do and why they are so central to the kingdom, though they don't actually have any properties in the kingdom at all. They have only cities, pl places where they reside and uh, places where, where they can make a living, but they don't, as a tribe, have any property. Simeon at least had certain uh, designated areas within Judah that was their territory as a tribe, but not so the Levites. Rather, their role is entirely different. So the chronicler wants us to understand who is at the center of the kingdom of God. Who is it that matters the most to us knowing what the significance of Israel is all about? And there what we have is the description of the Levites. The chronicler begins with Levi. And in the first 15 verses, he gives the priestly lineage all the way to the time of the exile. So this is those people who had a prominent role within the tribe. They were the ones who were the priests. Uh, one of the differences that must be noted here is that in the books of Numbers and Leviticus, 
Uh, it is the descendants of Aaron, the descendants of Kohat, who are the priests. But the chronicler doesn't seem to view priesthood quite that way. For the chronicler, if you are a Levite, you are in the tribe from which priests come. And so, uh, as in Deuteronomy, uh, so also in Chronicles, uh, we have the term the Levitical priests. That is, these people who are priests, but they belong to the tribe of Levi. So, uh, what the chronicler then does in the next section of his giving of this genealogy is give a repetition of who the sons of Levi are. There's three of them especially in verses 16 to 19. Uh, then he lists the sons of Gershom, the sons of Kohat, and the sons of Melali. Now it's the sons of Kohat who get uh, more prominence here. If we go back to the book of Numbers, what we see is that the sons of Kohat had a very particular role in relation to the temple. They were in relation to the tabernacle. Uh, they were the ones who were responsible for its transportation, uh, for its maintenance. And that was called their avodah, their work, their particular assignment. But of course, once the temple is built, that function and that role changes, which is something that the chronicler makes very clearly a distinction when David makes his preparations for the temple. The whole function of the Levites and their role is going to change. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, genealogies can be fluid. And one of the things that we see here is the way in which the chronicler makes Samuel one of the priests, because he did function as a priest. Uh, and so he is one of the sons of Kohat, uh, the son of the, the son of Elkanah. Uh, and the chronicle gives the whole genealogy of who Samuel was. In the Hebrew uh, Masoretic text, there's actually a number of uh, textual issues there, but they're quite discernible, and the translations almost always portray this exactly the way the chronicler intended it. So we see Samuel as among the sons of Kohat. So there are the sons of Gershom, Kohat, and Benadai. Then what we have is this whole change of role so that no longer are we concerned with the transportation of the tabernacle, but rather with the function of the temple. A very important part of the function of the temple is worship, and a very, very important part of worship is music. So the chronicler gives us a whole section here on how David designates the musicians and assigns them. Now, you will be familiar with some of these from the uh, book of Psalms. There's the Guild of Haman, the Guild of Asaph, the Guild of Athan. And then he concludes again with the lists of the priests. So you see how this whole thing is structured. The priests are prominent. He begins with the priests. He ends with the priests. These are the ones who conduct the ceremonies of the way in which we recognize the presence of God. We're going to discuss that recognition of the presence of God when we get to Solomon and the actual structures and function of the temple. But here the chronicler makes very important that 
the priests uh, are the ones who are the leaders, but around them are the musicians. They are the ones who are responsible. The musicians are going to play a huge role in Chronicles. Not only in worship around the temple, uh, the musicians are going to be the ones who win the battle for Jehoshaphat uh, because uh, they are the ones who act essentially as prophets. As a matter of fact, the chronicler even uses the term prophets to describe the musicians. Now, we said that the Levites don't have a property within Israel. So what they had was various cities that were spread throughout the whole territory of Israel. Here the chronicler's source is actually quite clear. The chronicler uses Joshua chapter 21, where Joshua assigns all the Levitical cities. But the chronicler has chosen to revise his source in very significant ways. So he doesn't start in the beginning of Joshua's assignment, as we have it in Joshua chapter 19, or sorry, Joshua chapter 21, uh, but rather uh, he starts with um, the uh, cities of Kohat, uh, get, uh, sorry, with the priestly cities of Simeon and Benjamin, uh, which for him are the leading cities in Judah, uh, the ones around Jerusalem. Then he moves on to the cities of Kohat, Gershom, and Merari, and then he gives a whole summary of the Levitical cities and uh, the cities in all of Israel. Now, one of the functions of the Levitical city was to serve as a place of refuge. Uh, the Levites were very much a part of the judicial system. As a matter of fact, when David comes to assign the Levites, one of their specific assignments is to act as judges. So the Levites uh, function in the judicial system. Now, the judicial system always has a certain amount of complexity. Uh, it's fine for the covenant to say, thou shalt not kill. But of course, the question always comes to be, at what point and in what ways someone becomes culpable, uh, having deliberately planned a murder, and those other situations where someone is responsible for another person dying, but that was not their intent. Now, that's uh, made clear right within the covenant itself. For instance, a man has an ox, a bull, as we used to call it on the farm in Saskatchewan, where I grew up, and uh, those bulls were to be respected. I, we kept them tied up all the time. Uh, we let that bull uh, out uh, only on a ring with a rope when the cow needed him. And as soon as his job was done, we tied him up back in his stall because you didn't want that guy on the loose. Uh, you never knew what he was going to do. Uh, so I have a pretty vivid uh, picture in my mind of what this passage in Exodus means when it talks about a man owning a bull and the bull gets loose and it kills somebody. Now, the question is, does this make the owner 
of the bull a murderer because his bull has gotten loose and someone has died. Well, there's a whole lot of circumstances around that decision. And so the city of refuge was especially the place where the person who owned the bull in this instance could flee. It was the judicial city and there the whole situation could be determined and you could begin to decide whether or not uh, the person was liable and to what extent they were liable and what the damages should be and what the penalties should be. And sometimes, uh, as we know from the records, uh, the city of refuge actually permanently became uh, that person's place of residence simply for his own safety. Uh, now, in Joshua, there are specific cities that are designated as Levitical cities. But the chronicler doesn't quite follow uh, that uh, description that we have in Joshua. He refers twice to the Levitical cities, uh, always in the plural, once in verse 55 and again in verse 67. And in both instances, you get the impression that from the chronicler's point of view, and perhaps this was something that was true at a later point in time, or maybe in some sense true in his own time, all Levitical cities were regarded as cities of refuge, uh, as the place where uh, judicial activities could be carried out. But we should perhaps take a look at uh, a map to see the places of residence that the chronicler is talking about. Uh, what we see here is a, par a portion of the whole of the city of Israel, uh, sorry, the whole of the country of Israel, in which there are the designations of Levitical cities. And uh, what you will observe is exactly what the chronicler describes, namely that here in the area of Judah, right around Jerusalem, was the greatest concentration of the Levites, um, probably because that gave them uh, some function of proximity in relation to the temple. But there were Levitical cities all the way north of the Sea of Galilee, all the way to the north, because the whole country did need to be covered uh, by a Levitical city. But when the chronicler in his uh, descriptions talks about the cities of refuge, he essentially is talking about the, uh, the description that we have uh, in Joshua, and he's essentially talking about uh, those places. Uh, so that gives us an idea of the history of the a chronicler as he sees it in relation to uh, the Levites and their function. They function as musicians, they function in terms of worship, but they also function very prominently in terms of the whole exercise of teaching so that the Torah can be understood and along with that quite necessarily goes the whole function of uh, exercising the covenant in daily life, which sometimes meant that people had to be brought under the judgment of a whole judicial system, 
which was administered by the Levites. So for the chronicler, the kingdom of Yahweh is the promise of God for redemption of his people. But the second thing about the kingdom of God for the chronicler is human relationships. How do people get on with each other? It's got nothing to do with the size of their territory, which is partly why he's trying to tell all the people of Yehud in his time. Uh, the size of territory that we have and that we control is not really the big issue here. Uh, the issue here is we represent the kingdom of God. And here are the Levites, and here's the way David appointed them, and this is the way they're supposed to function, and this is the way they should function now. Rally around the temple is the way that this has been described. But there's a good reason for that. It's because the kingdom belongs to God. And if the kingdom belongs to God, then it's about structural relationships between people, how they get along with each other. They need to learn and understand. God's teaching, his Torah. They need to live according to that teaching in all their daily relationships. And the key role there is the function of the Levites, especially in teaching, especially in leading in worship. Those are the main kinds of tasks. But then other kinds of tasks that go along with it in terms of how do we get people to live with each other in circumstances that become conflicted. The Chronicler is aware of all of this and uses Joshua to show how this is working in the time of David. This is Dr. August Conkel in his teaching on the books of Chronicles. This is session number five, Rally Round the Temple.